Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. So what if I said that any challenge, any problem, any issue that you have fundamentally comes down to an unwillingness to abide with reality. That somewhere in you, there's an unwillingness to abide with reality. A no to something that's true. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This episode begins a four-part series about our relationship to reality. It's easy to see that we humans have a push-pull relationship with reality itself. In each of us is a deep desire to know the truth, and in many moments, though, we run from it. Your life, your work, and ideally your dreams happen in reality. What if being able to track when and how you depart from reality was key to your fulfillment? Keep listening to find out more. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of clear and open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, go to clearandopen.com. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. Have you noticed that with every philosophy, religion, spirituality, have you noticed with the teachings of these things, how common it is for the teachings of any paradigm that are essentially and always about abiding with reality, however it's defined by the paradigm. Have you noticed how often the teachings are used instead to escape reality or to deny reality? Think about that for a moment. I've not noticed that. More people have been killed in the name of God than anything else. Yet it's easy to demonstrate that the original teachings of the original teachers of whatever religion or spirituality or philosophy they started with didn't teach that. How would Jesus feel about the Crusades? How would would Muhammad feel about uh, uh, suicide bombings? How do we feel about the manifest destiny that killed 50 million Native Americans? That was in the name of God. So notice the pattern there. And with every new way of thinking, it arises as a pushback against the current way of thinking of the time, right? Um, Buddhism, when it arose, was challenging the Hindu Hindu teachings of the time. Um, Protestant Reformation was rejecting the Catholic beliefs at the time. What was, what was Jesus, te- Jesus' teachings? He was pushing against the Roman... What was their religion? Jamer, for 500. Uh, Christ was actually pushing against uh, the Judaism at the time. That's right, yeah. I would agree yeah. with that, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then the church goes on to do the same thing that the previous religion was doing, right? The Buddhist becomes... They, they, every new thing does the same thing that the old thing did, just in a different way, right? Look at the, you know... 
Um, as George Carlin said about uh, the founding of our country, our country was founded by slave owners who wanted to be free. <laughs> it took them a few hundred years to realize, you know what? Mm-hmm. Seeing a problem here. Of course, the Athenian democracy was based on slavery as well. Just take a moment to consider that, that, that this has been a historical pattern. This is always the case. It's easy to demonstrate. I'm not saying it's all bad, not, not at all. It's, you could argue that there's an improvement made, a net improvement. I don't know. Certainly, there's an effort. There's a set of good intentions. You know, uh, the founding of Islam, uh, when, when Islam was created in what's now Saudi Arabia, the whole area in this was... Uh, Five seven, Muhammad was born in 570 AD. He was really troubled by how the whole area was a bunch of disparate tribes. There were polytheistic, disparate tribes. Nobody really got along. And his vision was to basically unify everyone so that they would stop, stop being this area of warring tribes. And Islam did that. It unified everyone. Started creating a lot of conflicts between Muslims and everyone else as the empire grew, but it did end the internal battles. So certainly there were good things about it, but then it created this, instead of an internal, you know, tribe versus tribe battle, it became, okay, we're all together. And everyone who's not with us, so they're the bad people, they're the infidels. But the original meaning of infidel just meant uh, a non-believer, not an enemy. That's what it's come to mean. You see, that wasn't, an infidel was just, someone like, like a sinner. The original meaning of sin in Greek was to miss the mark. Infidel was the same thing. It was just someone who was kind of astray on the path, not evil. But then the same thing happens, right? It becomes that some, something is inherently bad with that other, then they become an enemy. Then you can justify killing them. Why? In the name of God. So the question I want to pose is, why do we as human beings do this? Why do we as human beings take truths that are designed and intended to return us to reality or bring us to reality and then use it, use them to not be with reality? Why do we do this? Why are human beings so committed to not being in reality? Interesting, right? You're muted, Peter. Hold on, I got you. Go ahead. Very simplistic, but it seems like reality is often difficult. Mm. It could be something as simple as a finding of an easier path, a path of less resistance than reality. Yeah. It's difficult mm-hmm. and challenging. Yeah. Let's start there. And the light side of that is we as humans are incredibly adaptable, right? We can live in really hot or really cold climates. We can figure out ways to live off the lichen on the trees if we have to. We, 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 look at where we live. What animal lives in as many places as humans do? I don't think any. You know, we can live anywhere. Look how adaptable we are. So that's the light side. And then we look through that lens and we go, well, look, we have the power to bend reality to our will, right? We can control climate inside a house. We can make food where it didn't exist before. 
It's incredibly powerful, incredibly adaptable. But I think it went to our heads. Because we started to think that we could change reality on levels to make it more comfortable than it really is. We've been making it more and more comfortable forever, but for sure since the Industrial Revolution, right? It's not okay with me that my message takes six days to get across the country. Got to do it faster. It's not okay with me that it takes me you know, a week to drive across the country. It's not okay with me that birds are the only ones that get to fly. There's this constant push to do things that couldn't be done before, make things better than they were before. And you can't argue with the results, right? It's quite amazing that in six hours, you can fly from New York to London. That's amazing. But it's come at a cost as well. Because the shadow side of it is there's a disrespect for reality. There's always a pushing against. And the shadow side of it is this kind of um, forever desire to improve upon reality. And so it's a kind of denial of reality. So what if I said that any challenge, any problem, any issue that you have fundamentally comes down to an unwillingness to abide with reality? It's somewhere in you there's an unwillingness to abide with reality, a no to something that's true. And that the best foothold you could get on solving a longstanding problem is to ask yourself, what aspect of reality am I still saying no to? What aspect of reality am I still saying no to? There's been a lot of conversation in the last couple of weeks about Firing employees that needed to go a really long time ago. One of the most common examples of that. When reality is saying again and again and again, this employee needs to go. And then we, yeah, but. And then they, they tell us again. And then we, yeah, but. And they tell us again. And we, yeah, but. It's the same thing that happens when you date the same woman or marry the same woman. Five times in a row. I was telling Jamie earlier this morning, uh, I live at the end of a one kilometer uh, dirt road that has gotten worse and worse and worse. And uh, I've been driving a very old Honda Civic, which has six inches of clearance. And it's gotten more and more difficult to, it feels like a video game navigating the potholes. That video game has gotten less and less fun and more and more challenging every time it rains. And the ruts get deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's almost impossible for me to not bottom out a little bit. And I've been putting off getting a truck because it's really what I need for where I live, or at least a Subaru, ideally a truck. And I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then finally, about a week ago, I bottomed out so hard, I cracked the transmission case. Totaled my car. Life said, it was time to get a truck. (laughs) I was in denial of that reality. What was I telling myself? What was the placeholder for reality? I don't have time. I don't want to. It's a project I don't have space for. Cars are such a pain in the ass. I've put so much money into this Honda. I want to get some more miles out of it before I... 
and yada, yada, yada. And yet every time I drove that road or every time I thought about, hey, maybe I'll go to, I don't feel like driving that road right now. It became sort of a barrier. All of those stories, those were placeholders for reality. What was true, now we can't absolutely know, was it destined? Was it the will of God that I get a a truck? I'm not saying that. I'm saying there were many clues. That's the best we can do. The, The writing was on the wall, right? There were many clues. Every time I needed to, you know, haul out a water heater and I'm like, oh man, who do I know who has a truck? You know, it's just the, it just kept happening again and again and again. And this is how we know the will of reality. You know, you don't get direct messages typically. Scripture is full of a lot of these kinds of direct messages and um, you're lucky to get really direct messages, you know, whether it's. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. There's a lot of stories of very direct messages. So if I were to, uh, for instance, this morning, I, I, I write a little bit before I, you know, when I meditate and stuff like that, I write a little bit, journal. And what came to mind this morning or on paper was, was you know, where have I, where have I not surrendered? Where I was, I was kind of asking those types of questions. So what is that? Is that is that the same thing that you're saying, just coming yeah. from a different way? Okay. Yeah. We're surrendered to what? Reality. Yeah. What is the way things are? So when you ask that question, where have I not surrendered to reality, which is a wonderful question, or what am I missing? What are my blind spots? All of those, those questions sort of invoke the same very productive assumption that I'm not abiding with reality. A very good assumption to start with. When you really embody the idea, the assumption that there's some way you're not abiding with reality, it creates a gap. A gap or it focuses you on a gap. A gap I would assert is already there. And then it focuses on a real problem, that there's some way you're not abiding with reality. So back to that question I asked of why is it so observable that every great teaching gets used for the complete opposite purpose? Well, the reason is the shadow. Now, why the shadow exists is a whole other story. A road, I don't think it would be useful necessarily to go down because we can't really know. There's lots of different theories psychology, spirituality, every different model will have a different story about why human beings have a shadow. Whereas in Buddhism, they'd call an ego or an ego mind, demons, whatever you want to call it. The aspect of us that is contracted from reality. This is the main message I want to get out to you guys today. It's to own that there's a part of you that doesn't want to be in reality. When you can fully own that and and owning is a process, but to be really curious about that by way of questions like, where am I not surrendered to reality? Where, Where are my blind spots? What am I missing? Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. 
Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.